Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey, everybody, it's Jeff here once again with the Freedom Nation podcast. And today we are going to talk a little bit about real estate, but we're going to hear a a story of a uh, rocket scientist who has turned real estate person with a little bit of a thing in between. So Chad is on the show today. Uh, How do you pronounce your last name, Chad? Zdenek. Zdenek. Okay, I'm glad I didn't do it the way I thought I was going to say it. So. So let's start off, Chad. Tell us a little bit about your uh, your history or your story. How did you get to where you are today? Sure. So, uh, so I started out at uh, Loyola Marymount University studying civil engineering. Uh, started working in construction management. I wound up getting my uh, general contractor's license and then also my professional engineer's license in uh, civil engineering and mechanical engineering. I uh, got my, I guess my first like full-time gig out of out of college was working for Boeing on the space shuttle main engines hmm. and uh, did that for seven years, worked how with. Does, how does a civil engineer end up working on rocket engines? Well, that, that's a good question. And I actually had to <laughs> argue with the, uh, the California um, Professional Engineers Board about getting my civil engineer's license because they said, well, your experience is actually working on something that flies. So you're technically not a civil guy. Uh, so I had, that's why I got my mechanical engineers, professional engineers license and yeah. did structural engineering consulting. And then finally they let me take the civil exam. But the short of it was uh, they hired me on to do structural dynamics on hmm. the engine. So vibration, stress testing, that sort of stuff. Uh, which is like a, a very, very technical part of the engine, the turbo machinery, but they needed civil engineers because we mm. focus on stress and dynamics and stuff like that. Like so yeah. uh, technically it, it, you know, it's a flying, obviously a flying machine, but civil engineers work on that part of it, that, that mm. part of the engineering. That's pretty cool. I, I'd never even thought of that, but yeah, yeah my dad, yeah. my dad was a mechanical engineer, but, uh, but it was actually a quality control engineer. Okay. Uh, on and he worked for NASA and for uh, for Bot and LTV and whatever other fifteen different companies it's been over the years. But uh, but yeah, yeah, same, yeah, yeah, same thing. I mean, it, you know, nothing to do with rocket engineering, but you know, it's mechanical type stuff mostly. So yeah, well, cool. So you were uh, you were a cubicle warrior there. What uh, what kind of made you or what ejected you from the uh, cubicle? Yeah, so I was definitely a, a cubicle warrior. Um, started at 7 a.m. every day in the office. Uh, actually, no windows on my entire floor, if you can believe that. Uh, and there's probably, well, it must have been 500 or so engineer types. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty big space uh, yeah. here in LA. And, uh, but yeah, not a single window in the whole building uh, because we had worked from time to time, worked on, on, you know, classified projects. And, um, and so back in the day, they didn't want people spying in through the windows. So, uh, 
So yeah, we just it had no windows. But um, I mean, it was an amazing company, an amazing group of people. But I, I quickly learned uh, that I was more of an entrepreneur. And even before that, I had started different businesses when I was young. And so I, I always knew as an entrepreneur, but I, I loved the opportunity. Um, they actually paid for me to get two master's degrees while working. I uh, got my master's in structural engineering and then my MBA. And uh, so it was a great company to work for. But, but in the end, I felt like it was just not for me being in corporate America. And, and I really liked the entrepreneurial passion. My, my brother had started a lighting business while I was getting my MBA. Interestingly enough, I was getting my MBA at UCLA and both of my brothers were playing football at UCLA. So all three of us were there for one year. We all overlapped one year together. And, uh, and I used my brother's business as kind of like my pet project because I was focusing on entrepreneurial studies. And, um, and so I was kind of helping him to grow that, you know, just from nothing, literally like him and, a and a, my sister and, and a worker and then, uh, but started growing and scaling the business. And then eventually I told him, I said, look, I said, if you get to this certain, certain mark, uh, certain dollar amount, I'll, I'll leave Boeing and I'll come work with you. And cause he was leaning on me pretty hard. He really wanted me to come work with him. And, uh, he was, you know, the business was growing, so, so he got to that mark and I'm like, all right, well, I got to stick to it. And uh, interesting tidbit was he wound up paying me more than he was paying himself to come over. And, and I wound up taking a 50% pay cut to leave Boeing and go work for him. And, and I was on a, an executive management track at Boeing at that time. They were investing a lot in me. It was a great company. Uh, but it was it was a big a big hit. You know, I was working with NASA as at different space flight centers, giving presentations to the astronaut boards, and it was it was kind of a big deal. And then I left to go work at a really small lighting company, <laughs> and uh, and all my engineering friends made fun of me, of course, and they didn't really understand it. But we wound up growing that business to uh, seventy five employees in three different warehouse locations, uh, the largest of its kind in L.A. And, uh, and it was a great, great business. And eventually, about 18 years later, I um, wound up selling, selling my half to my brother, and, and he still runs that business today. And that's when I got into real estate. So I sold the business, went back into real estate as an investor, and then started working with other investors and, and now syndicating or putting together these larger deals where we buy uh, commercial properties for passive investors. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, what uh, had you been doing real estate all along or was it really kind of, all right, now I'm, now I'm at this point, I want to start, I sold the business. Now I want to get into some passive real estate and, you know, decided that was going to be your path for the rest of your life here. Yeah. So, so early on, I did a lot of construction and, and eventually structural engineering um, you know, living in LA, we have earthquakes. And so mm -hmm. seismic engineering is pretty important out here. So I was doing um, like consulting for doing small uh, buildings, commercial buildings, uh, custom homes, hillside homes, just all structural engineering type work for those projects. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it was real estate, but not like on the investment type of yes. side, right? It's really like nuts and bolts, like especially on the construction side. I mean, if you're um, going to be investing out there, you it's good to know the nuts and bolts piece of it. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, it's come in really, really handy. So, so I did that for for quite a while until the business, the lighting business, got like too big, and I couldn't do both anymore. And then I just focused on the lighting business. 
and probably a good a good 10 years or so I did just the lighting business mm. um and then and then when my brother took over in 2018 that's when I went back into real estate full time perfect so let's talk about syndication deals and explain that a little bit more yeah so syndication is basically uh like a syndicator like the quarterback of the project so you know, my brother my brother was a quarterback so I I know that position but but it's basically the person that kind of pulls all the different aspects of the deal together. So it would be, you know, working with brokers on finding the deal, working with uh, lenders on getting the the uh, the debt together, working with a due diligence team to figure out, um, you know, what issues there are on the building, working with any um, construction uh, companies to do any value add deals or rehabs or remodeling of the of the the building or the property. Uh, hiring and firing property managers, the ones that really take care of like the day-to-day type issues with the larger properties, and then deciding when to refinance, when to sell, working with brokers again, and and investors. I forgot the big piece, investors in the beginning, bringing investors on board for the equity side of, of the debt stack or capital stack, and then just putting that whole package together and, um, you know, carrying it for, you know, several years or, or sometimes even longer, but uh, typically it would be like a five-year hold period for these deals. So mm-hmm. the syndicator is the one that puts all that together. And a lot of times uh, there's multiple like syndicators or general partners that come together for the deal. Uh, my first deal, I was actually the solo general partner, which is really rare, um, but but it was a smaller deal. And I worked with maybe eight or 10 investors um, I'm starting to do those deals and uh, and bringing that group together. And then eventually, and that was here in LA, and then eventually wanting to invest more out of state, diversify a little bit more out of California. And so now I do much, much larger deals outside of California and actually just closing on a $67 million apartment deal in Florida right now. Super cool. So yeah. what, um, you know, if somebody is wanting to go down that path, um, I mean, you you jumped in in the deep end pretty deep, but, but you at least had some background with it. If somebody is interested and maybe they've done some real estate and they kind of want to step up to that next level, what were some of the things that you did from a training perspective to even learn? Yeah, the, I think education is really key uh, and networking is really key. Those are probably the two big, you know, kind of stepping stones that you got to have or I'd recommend before getting into a deal. Uh, and the education, there's a ton out there, right? So uh, conferences is a good one. Mastermind groups are a good one. Uh, you can even learn a lot from YouTube and podcasts. You got to be a little bit careful and kind of do sanity checks on the information because there is some stuff that, you know, is might not be too accurate out there. But by and large, it's all pretty good, especially when you're hearing from people's experiences. Yeah, um, so it's, it's really helpful. So I think the education is really key. And then the networking part of it is also really important because, quite frankly, I wouldn't really recommend doing it the way I did it unless you do have a, a fair amount of experience. There's a lot of risk associated with that, which we can go into if you'd like, but there's a lot of risk associated with that. So I think the ideal way would be to kind of partner with other people that have done it. And you just really take like a small slice of the uh, sliver of that pie to help out in whichever capacity you might know more about or what you're more interested in. You help out with that little area 
and you help out a whole team that's yeah. got experience doing it. Brilliant. What's um, what's kind of in the future for you? What you know, you've got these deals coming up. Uh, is there anything that you're kind of working towards down the road here? Yeah. So a big thing for me is uh, my company tagline, which is freedom through passive income. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, I know you talk a lot about Freedom Day. I really like that that concept. And I haven't had my Freedom Day yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had big steps towards that. Yeah. But in I, th- I believe the truest sense of how you define it, I haven't had that yet. Um, but I'm I'm very much working towards it. And my goal is to have freedom and and in part financial freedom. But I I I look at freedom as a broader sense of the word, which we can probably get into a little bit later. But but let's look at it from financially right now. My my freedom day is where I can have my passive income covering all my living expenses. Yeah. I've got, I've got five kids. I live in LA, single <laughs> income. So I'm, I'm going to be working a little while. That's probably part of the reason why I haven't had my freedom day yet, but I'm definitely working towards it. Man, you move a couple hours to the East of where you're at and you're done, bud. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. LA is pretty tough. Yeah. How old are your kids? So my oldest is uh, 17 okay. then 13, then six three and one and uh the three-year-old's a boy and the rest are girls oh yeah well, yeah yeah he's gonna be tortured <laughs> <laughs> the struggle's real yeah no kidding so what would you you know if so you went from the the cubicle to the business to you know kind of your own show here what was that for you and we kind of talked about it but what was that impetus what made you say, all right, I want to move to this next step, you know, from the cube, so, the business, let's say. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, I, I suspect a lot of your audience can probably relate to some aspect of this or not. Yeah. So when I was a, a, a cubicle warrior, as you put it, you know, my hours, I was seven to four, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes overtime, but not a whole lot. You got two weeks vacation and, um, and that was it, right? That, that was my that was my life, and uh, it was exciting work. So I did it for seven years, um, but it's a bit limiting, right? Hmm. So so that that's one aspect of what I'm doing, and I know a lot of people are, are cubicle warriors, and they can relate to that. And then and then once I started my own business, it's like okay, I could kind of decide when I wanted to work. That was cool. I didn't have to start at seven a.m. every day, so that was kind of nice. But I wound up like working all the time, right? The phone's always on, the emails are always coming in, you're always checking up on things. So like I would work like off and on from like 8 a.m. to like 10 p.m., right? It's like you're always doing some some level of work. Uh, but if I wanted a day off, I took a day off, right? I didn't have to check in with somebody. I took a day off. But so I wound up working a lot more hours when, when I had my own business. And I'm sure a lot well, at of at least you got paid half of what you used to before. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. I did. I did. I took a 50% pay cut. Um, you know, eventually I wound up passing what I was making at yeah. Boeing and even probably what I would have been making at Boeing had I stayed. So the, the risk definitely paid off, but I was working a ton of hours. And I'll tell you that business. Uh, a big part of that business was was Christmas lighting. And uh, so we were super busy for, you know, four to six months of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and no joke, I was working 120 hour weeks during mm. the busy, busy, busy period. Yeah. So and I'd never I mean, 120 hour week, I, you know, if anyone's done that, they know that that's no joke. And if you have to do that for several weeks in a row, 
I mean, that that weathers you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm only 25 years old. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely it definitely ages you to put in those hours. And um, and the, the challenge with that business is it, it, we could never get out of that seasonality, no matter what I did and no matter how many processes, like we could kind of, we grew, we grew a lot, but it was always like, like hundred hour weeks yeah. is hundred hour weeks. So, so that either, was, really yeah, it was either like a hundred miles an hour or you're puttering along like a model T. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. And the, you know, increasing the, the head count and everything, the customers, like very, very, very difficult. And, uh, and that was going to just continue on. And, and like, no matter how smart I got or how hard I worked, like it always seemed like a ton of hours in that, that, you know, half of the year. So, so then that, that was not attractive from that standpoint, although it was a great launching pad. And, and over the years, I'd met a lot of people who made a lot of money over time in real estate, right? As you've probably heard, it's the best get rich slowly scheme out there, right? Yeah. I mean, no one gets rich quick in real estate. But over time, if you look at these people, they've been very successful in real estate over time because we could, mainly because of the debt leverage you can do and also the, the tax uh, advantages you have are, are huge. And you know this better than anybody. When you compound that over time, that can start to become very powerful. And that's what I'm working on right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's interesting that you you'd never had a period of time doing any kind of like residential real estate. You just went right for the right for the end game. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what, going back to your original question like where do you start? And I, t- I mentioned education and podcasts and and YouTube and stuff like that. I was going to start out in in uh single family homes and mm-hmm. house flipping and there's a lot, you know, a ton of people that do that, right? Yeah. And then once I kind of looked into it a lot more, as I was kind of valuing what to do, it, you know, it probably took me a year to go through this process, but I, I learned a lot of people that have been successful on the commercial side. It's easier to scale. Mm. And, uh, and so I just easier for debt. So I just decided just to not even start in the single family space mm. and went straight to it. And, and there's a lot of people that can do that. You know, you just, you got to have kind of the mindset and confidence in yourself to do it, get the education, get the networking, but you don't have to start out in single family homes if you don't want to. Hmm. And, uh, and I'm glad I started where I did straight with commercial uh, apartment buildings. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think that that's the thing I tell people all the time when, you know, when we're talking about real estate, I mean, there's 40 different flavors of real yeah. estate, you know, and you just have to figure out one, pick one and go with it. You know, you choose, you chose one that people sometimes kind of ladder up to over time. But I mean, it, if you've got the education, you've got the right connections and the right mentorship, why not go that route? You know, that's it. A lot of us end up in that situation at some point in time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it makes complete sense that you would have gone. Yeah. That and and I, like I said, some of your training, I'm sure helps out immensely when you're evaluating properties. Yeah, it does. But you can, you can, people can partner with people like me, right? They don't yeah. have to have that, that background. They can find people like me and partner with them. And and you also mentioned mentorship and, that, and that's a real big one. Like if you can save up a little bit of money to invest in some mentorship, sometimes you can get it for free, but a lot of times, you know, like a paid mastermind group or mentorship group, like that can really help compress timeframes mm. and basically learn from other people's mistakes. So I, I definitely recommend the mentorship side of things as well. That's awesome. That kind of gives us the idea about you. Now let's switch over to the fast five questions here. Ready? 
All right, let's do it. All right, first question. You wake up in the morning, business is gone. You have 500 bucks in your pocket, laptop, computer, place to live, food and drink. What are you going to do first? I think, I think I'd probably spend that money networking with other people and trying to find some partners. Okay. It, you know, I don't have any money, but I have experience and I have time. Even if you don't have experience, you've got time. And that could be very valuable to somebody. So uh, the money is, you don't have to have money to be successful in a lot of these things we're talking about. If you have time, sometimes that's enough. If you have experience, that's a bonus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's that's the thing that that I learned early on with real estate. You know, if you've got the ability to do some of the work, there's so many people that have got money and they just don't have the time to, you know, to do all this. They They want to be involved in real estate, but they don't have the time, but they're willing to, basically partner with you and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to put the money in and the credit, you just go work the deal and, you know, and manage the process and we can split it even or, or whatever that split looks like in the end. Yeah, definitely. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? Hmm. It's a good question. I'm an engineer. So I tend to evaluate risk a lot, probably a little bit more conservative than some people, which has probably helped me avoid yeah, some of those. In your business, pitfalls. that's probably not a bad thing, but yeah. Yeah. I would have to say probably procrastinating has been an issue, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we have like, it's just, I'm thinking more like in the lighting business when we were putting together big proposals. And uh, and sometimes we got behind the eight ball in terms of time and they're very, especially the government contracts are like, they go by like the atomic clock you got to be in by. And I remember my brother and I spent like two weeks on a massive proposal for an airport. And, um, and, and literally we missed it by like 10 seconds. Oh God. And, uh, and they wouldn't even open the bid. And then we had the whole team working on it. We spent so much time and money uh, driving down uh, to the airport, which was far and, and literally, it was less less than a minute we missed it by, and they wouldn't even open it. That sucked. That's the government for you. It, that, <laughs> it told you it was this day. It's this yeah. day. At this so time. procrastination is probably like what that that kind of as as you know yeah. kind of flared up in various. You situations. look back and you're like, where could we shaved five minutes off somewhere? Uh, <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, it's like we we could have shaved an hour somewhere, right? Yeah. But like. You just want to keep polishing it, keep making it better, and and yeah. and we missed it, and it sucked. What's a good book that you would recommend for our audience? So, so I tell you what really helped me because I've had kind of like three distinct yeah career paths, if you will, at this point. Uh, Start with why by Simon okay. Sinek was really okay. helpful. So I knew and actually hired a person to to help me out with this. Uh, I'm part of a group called the Entrepreneurs Organization. Yeah. It's yeah. a group of uh, 17,000 business owners around the world. A- amazing organization if anyone's in the entrepreneurial space. But I hired a guy out of EO to help me kind of find my next step. Mm-hmm. I read the book, Start With Why, and uh, by Simon Sinek, and really spent probably like eight months kind of diving in with his help on like who I was, who I wanted to be, what the next step would be. And that really helped to take that time. And uh, and I did that while I was still running my old business, right? Like I would not recommend, you know, stopping, quitting or shifting and then starting this process because it, it could take you three months. It could take you a year, right? You, it's really hard to put a time frame on that. 
But when you get back to your core of who you are, I think that helps you find your passion. And with that, you know, you can you can put in the hours and stay persistent like you need to because it's something you're passionate about because it it, it is your why. And that was pretty helpful for me. Cool. That's fantastic. I love that. And I love the book. It was uh, it was probably one of the hardest reads I've ever had. I actually had to listen to it. Mm. And then I understood it the way the book is designed. It's really almost like a it's like an encyclopedia or a dictionary. It's not meant to be read straight through. It's meant to be like, okay, I need this today. Let me go to this. And uh, once you read the, once you listen to it, it made more sense in the long run. And it's in his yep. words. Uh, what's a good tool that you use in your business every day? So I would say I, like a um, project management tool I use called is called Trello. Yep. So I have different VAs that I work with that that uh, help me run the business now, and uh, and I manage everything through Trello, and it's mm -hmm. just a nice, concise place to put things. You can track it. It's it's good archives, and it's just been really helpful on the project side to work with with people who are remote. Perfect. Awesome. Well, last question: What's your definition of freedom? Yeah. So this so this is interesting, and I I really like this question. Uh, I, I take a little bit broader approach to freedom than I think most people like. I think you have two freedom camps. You have the financial freedom camp, yep. which you know is probably uh, at the at the most basic level. Your freedom day is is financial freedom. A lot of people look at that, and then you have like the patriotic type people that think of freedom and and liberty as as you know that that side of freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, and and for me, I, I take a holistic view of it. I really look at freedom as as both, and I combine I combine it. So it, it would be for me freedom freedom financially, freedom with my time, which it can be really really all encompassing. Like that would probably, if I had to narrow it down, that would be it. Because you can have like like Jack Ma from uh, Alibaba, you know, one of the richest guys in the world, worth fifty billion dollars. And he said the wrong things in China and he disappeared for yeah. three months and he came back a different man, right? Yeah. He had all the money in the world, but he didn't have freedom. So, so to me, it's a lot more than just money. But if you have, I don't want to be free living out in the desert and um, free to do whatever I want, but have no resources to enjoy some other things. So that's why the financial part of it, I think, is pretty important. But I think people too often focus only on the financial side and they kind of take the freedoms we have, especially in the US. Like I, I live in California and I saw what a lot of what, what the lockdowns did, COVID yeah. lockdowns, and like we lost a lot of freedom here. Like mm -hmm. we still have an eviction moratorium here in LA and we're filming this in, in the end of February, 2023. We, 2023, we yeah. moratorium, right? Three so, years later, yeah. Yeah, so you talk about like a loss of freedoms. I saw a lot of businesses go, go bankrupt. And um, and even, so even in America, we got to keep an eye on freedoms. And I think it's important that we keep fighting for that. Brilliant. Oh, I couldn't say it any better. Yeah, we, we at, at Freedom Day, we uh, we kind of identified three uh, freedoms. So we see it as financial freedom, time freedom and freedom of intention and, and being intentional about life and having purpose in mm -hmm. it as well. So, you know, I, I love the way you describe it. I love it. Yeah. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, Chad, what's the best way? Sure. So I think uh, just CSQ Properties, either Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook is just at CSQ Properties. Okay. Website csqproperties.com is, is the best way. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Uh, great information and a wonderful story. So thank you for being on. Uh, folks, 
we love having people like Chad on that, that tell their story. Now you have to take to action. You, you know, you don't have to go and and start buying apartment complexes and things like that. But the most important thing is you can't sit there in that cubicle and not take that next step, or you're just going to be stuck doing what you, what you're doing that you're probably not happy with right now. So we do these every week, two times a week. So make sure that you, wherever we're at, uh, subscribe to the channel, share your, uh, share your experience with others and make sure that you make some comments because we love to hear from you. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you back here next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.